Our Bible reading this morning is uh, Exodus 20, 1 through 18, for those who'd like to follow along. Exodus 20, 1 through 18. And God spake these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt make unto thee, shall not make unto thee, any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in the heavens above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord, thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers unto the children, unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountains smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And so we continue our series on the uh, top ten and... God gave us 10 things that he wanted everyone to know, and it's exciting that we get to know these things. We get to study these things. We get to learn and grow, and I would encourage you. I know many of you were probably, this isn't new, right? The Ten Commandments, they're pretty basic, something you learned growing up. But the Ten Commandments and the Ten Basic Statements that God makes to Moses and to Israelites are so profound and so powerful and so life-changing. And, and sometimes I think we, we can miss the fact that a lot of people have, don't know these truths. 
And this is one of the parts of being light and salt to the world is that we get to share the truth of who we are in Christ and what God has for us. And so as we begin and we look at the top 10 of uh, things that God wants us to know, we started first with only one God. Everyone wins when we, by putting God first. There's only one God. And when we put him first, everyone wins. So if as a husband, as a, as a father, as a pastor, when I put God first, everyone in the, my sphere of relationship wins. Um, in our finances, in every area of life, in our trust, that when I put God first, everyone wins. Number two, no idols. Be a worshiper, not an idolater. And that we live in a world full of idols. And there are more idols around us um, than we have even time to know of all of them. And yet we're called to be worshipers of the one true God. And so we gather here today to focus on that one worship of God. And it's so important for us to always to align our hearts our thoughts and our actions on worshiping the one true God. And then the third, we talked last week about do not misuse the Lord's name, that we're to carry his name well, that uh, the way we talk about him and the way we demonstrate the truth of who he is in our lives is so valuable, so important that we are to not use his, not to misuse his name, but if we take his name, that we carry it well and that we demonstrate it to others that it's true to us. And then today we're going to look at keeping the Sabbath holy, keeping the Sabbath holy, that that is what we are called to do, that there's a, um, God is teaching us a very powerful truth about life. And when I was a young uh, man, I was maybe, not a young man, I was a boy, about 10 or 11 years old, my dad was a campus pastor at Penn State and he would show movies there. And one of the movies that they would play was Chariots of Fire. How many of you have seen Chariots of Fire? Well, I was, you know, I loved to run, and I had a lot of energy when I was that age, and this movie really spoke to me because it was about a, an athlete who had been training to go to the Olympics, Eric Little, and all the challenges that went with that. And he makes a statement in the movie. He says, when I run, I feel God. I sense God's glory. I sense his pleasure. And so there's this, uh, he ends up going through, this is actually a true account from the 1924 Olympics of Eric Little, who, who rose up, uh, he was on the British team, and he was able to be successful and win the 100 that year. But he had a, a major hurdle to get over, because on his way to the Olympics, he found out the preliminary heat was going to be on Sunday. And he had a conflict, uh, because for him, Sunday was Sabbath. And he meets with the director who's in charge of the English team, and he says, look, I'm not going to be able to compete in the 100, because um, the heat leading into it is on a Sunday. And he makes such a strong commitment that he's so committed to that because he basically in the conversation, if you see the movie, he says, look, for the last few four years, I have been uh, totally focused on my running and I haven't even built my relationships. I haven't even been consistent with the people I love in my life. I've given up my studies. I have so focused everything on this and I'm realizing that all of this doesn't matter if I'm not right with God, if I'm not living for the Lord. And so he says, I can't run on the Sabbath. And the director says, well, I can pull some strings for you. And he ends up changing the date. And he ends up being able to run because they changed the date. And he, he wins the 100 meter. But I look at that. I watch when I was watching that movie and thinking about that movie, how inspirational that was. And I think for all of us, all of us, one of the major challenges in life is that we get stuck in the mundane. We get stuck that life is boring, life is monotonous, life is stressful, life is anxious. And sometimes we miss the fact that life is an amazing gift. 
And that every day, yes, there's the mundane, yes, there's the challenging, yes, there are the obstacles, and maybe there are many of them, and maybe there are years of them. But God is so good that he takes all of that, and there are moments when you feel and sense God working in such a powerful way. And sometimes I think we need to focus more on what God is preparing, what God is going to do, what God has for us in the future, than what the challenges of today are. And I believe God, he teaches us such a powerful uh, truth through this. He makes such a powerful statement through this commandment that something I think the world is missing. And, and I know you have influence. You have influence over your children or maybe your grandchildren or your neighbors or your aunts and uncles or nephews and nieces. And so much of the world right now is missing this principle. They're struggling. The average American doesn't sleep at night. They have a screen with blue light coming into their eyes, causing all kinds of problems where they can't sleep. And, and uh, the, the, the problems with sleep are so prevalent in our culture. And, and people are drinking high caffeine, high caffeine to keep them awake. And, and they're running on fumes all day. And then um, a lot of people are turning to alcohol and drugs. And all these chemicals are affecting us. And all these things are bombarding us, whether it's a screen or a chemical. And it's causing us all to struggle in our brains. And we call it mental illness. That there's so much of it today because there's so much unnatural things happening. If you think about it, when the Bible was written, when Jesus was around, you woke up when the sun came up and you went to bed when the sun went down. And your day was, I better do today, survive, whether it's farming or gathering. Because if I don't, I won't have very many more days ahead of me. And so the focus was so clear. The rhythm of life was so clear. And now we have so many options and so many things. And we struggle so greatly because we don't have a lot of clarity to what those rhythms are to be in our life. We don't have clarity to how we're to plan and live out our days. And so this is such an amazing tool that I believe if we were to share this tool effectively with our neighbors and friends, um, if they were willing to receive it, it's a powerful life-changing tool that can bring peace of mind can bring a, a sense of satisfaction, a sense of health and growth. And, and so much is here that God is offering us because he's the author of life. He knows the best way for us to live. And so we're going to look at that this morning. And my question that I have for us as we look at this is, does God guide your schedule? Does God guide your schedule or have, has the world made your schedule for you? How do you determine your schedule? Is God in control? Or have or all the elements of life dictating to you what your schedule is. So valuable, so important. So let's look to God. Let's precede his word with prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for creating the universe. Thank you for being holy and just. Lord, thank you for speaking these words. Thank you for communicating to Moses. Thank you for Moses' faithfulness to record this information. Thank you, Lord, that you have not created us and left us to figure it out, but, Lord, that you have spoke these words so that we can know them and that we can live them out. 
And Lord, I pray as we talk about the rhythms of our lives and our schedules and how we live, Lord, that you would bring insight and you would bring understanding and that we would have discernment, that your Holy Spirit would speak into our lives in a new way. And Lord, I pray that we would be conduits, that we would be um, teachers of other people in our lives that are struggling with this, struggling with the anxiety, struggling with stress, struggling with the nonstop world we live in that isn't living into the rhythm you've created for us to have. And so I pray, Lord, you would help us in this conversation, help us as we look to your words, help us to absorb it into our hearts so that we can be uh, vessels that live this out. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do. We look forward to the future that you have for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be looking at Old and New Testament passages today, so it's important as you watch the screens or you follow along, recognizing this concept is throughout the entire Bible. This isn't just an Old Testament teaching. This is something that is true throughout all of Scripture. And to give you some context this morning... Uh, basically, at the creation of the world, it says, if you read through Genesis chapter 1, that God created in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. And that was the pattern that he established at creation, that there will be six days of work, and on the seventh day is a day of rest. And that this has become something that was established through Abraham and Isaac and Noah, that all of these people were to live this pattern of six days of work and a seventh day of rest. Well, during the 400 years where the Egyptians had enslaved the Hebrews, they could no longer have that uh, cycle of life. And so the Sabbath became a personal thing. And uh, we're told of the fact that even then the priests were trying to maintain a Sabbath by helping the people recognize the Sabbath isn't just even a physical thing. It is a spiritual thing, something that's within us. And so for 400 years, the Egyptians would uh, literally, there would be no weekend. There's no Saturday, Sunday. There's no break. These workers will work and work and work, and there will be no rest for 400 years. And then when they are released and Moses helps, is used by God to bring the people out of Egypt, and they're brought to Mount Sinai, and there God gives him these commandments, he says, now you will have six days of work and one day of rest. And you will be freed from the Egyptian way of doing it. And so from that point on, the Hebrews were to live in this pattern. And if you go to Israel today, uh, if you go there uh, sundown from Friday to sundown on Saturday, uh, for those who are the, the strong practicing Jews, everything shuts down. There's a joke about a pastor that was in Israel, and they had two elevators. One was the Sabbath elevator, and one was the Sabbath breaker elevator. And it was for the Gentile evil people that weren't believers and so the pastor was in line there's this huge line to get on the sabbath day elevator and the other line there was nobody getting on the non-sabbath day elevator and he he went up he said well what is this all about and then they said well you know this is the sabbath day we're all we what it does is the elevator goes up to every single floor and so you get on the elevator if you want to go to the top floor you got to wait till it gets to the top and that and it will come down well he got on the the non-jewish elevator And they all got on with him and said, hey, can you push number six? Can you push number seven? And he became the elevator guy because they weren't allowed. They've hold the Sabbath that even pushing a button to go to one of the floors, that that is breaking the Sabbath day. And so what we need to recognize is that that they take this very serious. 
That throughout all of scripture, uh, the Sabbath day, this was the one argument that they had with Jesus about breaking the Sabbath day because they held it as such an important law that they were to live by. And so for those thousands of years, we have Saturday being the Sabbath. Creation, the first day of the week being Sunday, and all the way through. It wasn't until uh, Jesus' resurrection that things changed. Jesus changed everything. And when Jesus came, uh, his disciples changed the day that they were going to worship, that they were going to meet and talk about God and study his word. And it really wasn't until March 7, 321, that Emperor Constantine issued a civil decree making Sunday the rest from labor. And so Sunday was this new Sabbath. And then in the United States, it wasn't until 1938, the Fair Labor Standards Act, that we have two days of rest on a week. It's interesting to me that much of, the, uh, much of our culture loves the weekend, right? Can't wait, living for the weekend. Can't wait for the weekend. The weekend is the greatest, the weekend. And very few of them realize the only reason we have a weekend is because the Jews recognize Saturday as the Sabbath and the Christians recognize Sunday as the resurrection day. And these are two days that are different than all the other days and they're days of rest. And, our, and it's really a very new phenomenon that we would have those days off. So we're very fortunate. We should thank Jesus and the Lord for the weekend because we would have no weekend if these things didn't take place. And so we know in Acts chapter 20, verse 7, it says, On the first day of the week we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. So I'm not going to keep on talking until midnight. But he came and he gave his sermon, and uh, that was the day that they set aside. And so if you ever wondered which day is the Sabbath, the Sabbath is Saturday in the Bible. The Sabbath is Saturday. The day of worship, the first day of the week that we celebrate as Christians is Sunday. And we do that because the resurrection of Christ was so important. It is literally the most important event in all of human history. The resurrection of Jesus. That we have changed the day that we worship from Saturday to Sunday. And so this is an important thing. This affects every person you know. Everyone you know in our country and most of the world recognize a Saturday, Sunday uh, weekend. And so that leads us to what, G- what God has to say here in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11. He says this, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. God's example is a six-day work week with a one-day rest. That's the rhythm that God has created for us to have. Six days of work, one day of rest. Is work wrong? No. Is rest wrong? No. There's a rhythm that God has intentionally created into humankind. You know, during the French Revolution, they tried to make a 10-day work week. And then in Russia, they tried to change uh, the, 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 how many days of the week. All the animals started dying, and people started getting sick. And they eventually all went back to a seven-day week. And it's a powerful thing to recognize. This isn't something that we culturally created. This is something that is ingrained in who we are as created beings by God. In verse 10, it says, But the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your sons or daughters, nor your males uh, or female servants, nor your animals, nor your foreign, any foreigner residing in your towns. 
And so we've all been created for a work-rest rhythm. A work-rest rhythm. Now, how many of you know someone who likes to rest too much? What do we call someone who likes to rest too much? Lazy, right? Lazy, good for nothing. You're good for something, it's called nothing. (laughs) Right? And we have a problem. And I would say definitely this is more for adolescents or younger people as they come up. There is, with the world we live in, think about it, um, we have a big problem in our country. What is our problem? It's you're going to make more money on unemployment than being employed. And what do you do when you're unemployed? You rest <laughs> some way or another. You're doing whatever you want to do. You're not being productive. You're not working. And that, even in that, it is not, that is not what we are created for. And when you have all that free time, guess what? There's not happiness in it. There's not joy in it. There's not satisfaction in it. Um, you can have all the free time in the world and feel miserable. Because rest without work isn't healthy. Right? And so rest is important, but it's not the thing that should be the predominant part of our life. Rest is a part, but not the ultimate part. And so it's important for us to recognize that this is the rhythm that God has created for us. Verse 11, it says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, all that is in them, but rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord has blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Sabbath is a full day to be focused on him. This morning, if you're asking, am I, keeping, am I having this Sabbath in my life? Am I having some sort of Sabbath? I would, I would ask this question. Is there a day in your week that's different than all other days? Is there a day that is focused in a different way than all other days? Sabbath is not doing the same thing you've been doing all week. Sabbath is setting aside a day where you completely focus on the Lord. And it is a holy day. And so God is saying the created order, what I have created you for, is that you would set aside a certain day and that you would make that day holy, focused on him. In Mark chapter 2, verse 27 through 28, it says, And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. To the Son of Man is the Lord, even of the Sabbath. And so this morning, as we talk about this, there's two things that are important to recognize. There's the law, which was given to the Israelites, that they had to obey to be right with God. Now, we are under grace. So how does law and grace go together? Well, we were told that, that, that the law is a teacher. The law is a teacher. And in that way, if you think about it, when you were in high school, you had teachers. And you had rules, right? And you had to be at school at a certain time. Or what did you get? A tardy. Right? And you had to get a 65 or a 75 or greater to pass the classes. Right, There's a grading system. And that you had to make it a certain amount of days at the school. And, and there were certain rules that you don't necessarily live by today. Right, And if you think about it, the law, the law was established much like a school system is established. That holiness and, and perfection is all aligned. And there's a standard to keep. And, and that if you don't keep the standard, that you've broken it. Right? You haven't lived up to it. Well, there's only been one person that's lived up to that law. There's only one person that has graduated from the school of law. And who is that? Jesus, right? So Jesus has his diploma. Jesus went through the, the law school. 
He went through and obeyed all the laws that were given. He was perfect in every way, not sinning in any way. He was the perfect fulfillment of the law. And in doing so, he then shares his diploma with anyone that would want it. Right? So now, Jesus is sharing his diploma. The law has been fulfilled. Now, are there things that you've learned in school that you still apply to your life? Yes, there are things you still apply. There's wisdom. But you don't take tests anymore. And you don't get tardies or detentions anymore. Right? And you don't obey the law that you had when you were in school. You've been, you've been given something by Christ where, you, yes, you still maintain these things. But they are not to be hindrances. They're not to hold you down. And Jesus is saying, the Sabbath is a gift. It is not a restrainer. The Sabbath is a gift given to us, not to contain us, not to, to, to beat us down, but it is a gift to enrich life. And if we have wisdom, we recognize that by keeping a Sabbath, we are keeping the order that God has for us. And so the, ga- the Sabbath is a gift from God to what? It, to replenish us. To replenish us. Do you know if, if you work all the time and you don't rest, you're not going to feel replenished. You're going to lose energy. You're, gonna have, uh, you're not going to be very efficient or capable of doing what you need to do. And so the Sabbath is a gift from God to replenish us. Work is healthy. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says, for even, when you were, even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Right? You don't, er, you don't work, you don't eat. Right? That's a rule we should make in the United States. You don't work, you don't eat. Work is good, work is healthy, work is beneficial. Right? And so we are to have a rhythm of work in our life. No matter how old you are, you need something to focus your abilities, to be productive, to have something that is beneficial for others, not just yourself. If all you ever do is things for yourself, you're never going to be replenished. You're never going to feel the joy that God has for you. And so work is important. Work is healthy. But guess what? For some of you, you need to hear the opposite, and that rest is healthy. Rest is healthy. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. You know, if you don't take a break, you will break. Did you know that? If you don't take a break, you will break. There's a lot of people that have gone through burnout. There's a lot of people that didn't take breaks. They didn't take times of rest. And because of that, now they aren't able to do anything. They're not productive at all. And so this this beautiful, powerful tool that God gives us is this, that there is a cycle to life. You know there's a cycle to the seasons. You know there's a cycle to the tides. You know there's a cycle to how the moon uh, orbits the earth. You know there's a cycle to all of these things in the universe. There's a, a very very um, intense and and logical cycle that's going on in every area of the world. And that same cycle is for us. We're called to live by a pattern of health. We're called to live by a pattern that God has given us. And so we have an appointment. You have an appointment with Jesus. You know, the Sabbath is like having an appointment with God once a week, right? Right? It's having an appointment where you gather and and you you make that day completely committed to him. How many of you have doctor's appointments? How many of you have dentist appointments? 
We have appointments. Why do we go to those appointments? Because even though we don't always like those appointments, there's something beneficial that comes from those appointments. Amen? Amen. The appointment that God has set for us is that every week we set aside a day, an appointed day, to be focused on who he is. So when he says to keep this day holy, he's saying keep it focused on me. Your thoughts and your emotions focused on me. So whatever that means for you for an entire day, that you set aside a day every week to be holy, committed to God. Are you keeping your appointment with God? You know, when you die and you go through this whole life and you've made all your decisions and you made all your choices and you meet God, he's not going to be mad at you. As if you broke a law, he's going he's gonna to say, look, you missed out on the gift. You missed out on the gift of us getting together once a week and me refreshing you and you resting in me and that rest building some energy into you, that rest building some hope into you, that rest building some encouragement into you, that rest building some future uh, that you didn't see before, but now you see because you've been resting in me. That's the appointment that he's calling us to meet with him once a week and whatever that is for you. And so how do you apply this? Because this is definitely one of those application sermons. Would you consider being intentional about a Sabbath? Have you been intentional about your rhythms in life? Or has life told you your schedule? Have you been intentionally and said, I am going to make rhythms in my life that are committed to the Lord? Can you intentionally focus on God for an entire day? What would that look like for you? To intentionally focus on God for an entire day. Here's some ideas on how to schedule a godly rhythm. I would say a daily quiet time. Schedule a day, daily quiet time where you set aside to focus on your growth. A weekly church Sabbath and participating in a group. A monthly serving. Serve somewhere in the church every month. And then yearly, some big commitment. Saying, I'm going to be committed to God in a big way at least once a year. These are all rhythms, intentional rhythms that I submit my calendar, I submit my schedule to the Lord, that every day there's a commitment, every week there's a commitment, every month there's a commitment, and in the entire year there's a commitment of rhythm of resting and being holy in God. This is one of the, the amazing mysteries of life. When you apply this to your life, things change radically. Things that you didn't think could get better in life. Things that you didn't think you could overcome in life. Things that you thought were, were, would never change in the lives of those around you. When they apply this, when they put God first in their schedule, and they have a rhythm of work and rest, and that their work is for the glory of God, and their rest is in God, that things begin to change. And over time, you see significant growth in yourself and in others. But it's a commitment. It's a commitment. It's something we can talk about now, but it's much more important that we do it, that we practice this. You know, this is the rhythm that Christ had. Christ got up early in the morning and set aside time with his father. Christ was, we're told that he went to the tabernacle once a week, starting as a young boy, to teach and to learn. And as he grew, he built relationships where he would meet with his 12 disciples. He had a rhythm and we're to be like him. And his rhythm was built 
And this, this view that God created in six and rested on the seventh, and that is what we are called to do, that we are to set aside a day every week to be holy, wholly devoted to the Lord. Is that something you are willing to allow God to build into your life? What would it look like in your life? What would it look like in your kid's life, your grandkid's life, your aunt, your uncle, your nephew, your niece? What would it look in their life? How many of them, every time you meet, they tell you how stressed they are? How overwhelming life is. How unhappy they are. Unsatisfied. You know, Christ came and died on a cross so that we can have a relationship with the Father. And the relationship the Father wants us to have is setting aside a day for holiness. And living in a healthy rhythm with Him. That our lives are not like the world where it's going out of control and now it's workaholism and restaholism and there's just this extremes instead of living into our created purpose before we can do anything we need to be twice born are you twice born have you confessed and believed romans 10 9 if you declare with your mouth jesus is lord and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you'll be saved for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and with your mouth that you profess in your faith and are saved You know what the most amazing part, and I was excited to get to this part. What is God telling you? It's just so amazing because we have the past where God instituted in the very creation the Sabbath. We have in the Bible where the Sabbath is still initiated, that the Sabbath is still kept. Well, we're told in Hebrews 4, 9 through 11, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by, the follow, by following their example of the disobedient. Do you know that there's a Sabbath forever? Amen. Did you know that the Bible says that there will be a Sabbath in heaven? That we're told that, that the Sabbath is the reflection of heaven. That yes, we have, we've worked through this world of messy sin, but there's a time of rest coming. There's a future of grace coming. There is a hope that yet not, has not yet been fulfilled. And so this morning as we look at this, that we recognize um, we don't have to keep the law in the way in which the Hebrews had to keep the law because we are under grace. But in that, we have wisdom knowing that this is God's plan for us. This is the cycle that God has created for us to live under. What is God saying to you? I can tell you I'm convicted because there are times when I don't Sabbath well. There are times when, well, I can get more done. You know what's really convicting to me about all this is how much I recognize I think I can do. If I just work harder, if I just keep going, if I just do this and this and this, it'll get done. Really? What is God saying about that? You know, as a father, as a father, it would be great if my kids just 24 hours a day were just working, working, working. But you know, wouldn't be great if they never stopped to be with me. If they never stopped just to be, just to enjoy, just to have fun, just to relax. It, that would not be, I would hate that if my children worked and worked and worked for me, but never took time to be with me and to enjoy that relationship. If I'm an earthly man, how much greater is it with God? How much more does he want us sometimes to just stop and enjoy being with him?
and rest in him. And stop trying to control our lives. Stop trying to make it happen. And just say, God, I love you. I just want to be with you right now. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that, Lord, you have shown us truth. And Lord, as